you, Jesus. Amen, church. There's no one like Jesus. Amen. Come on, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know how good he is for that? Come on, we've come to celebrate him this morning. I don't know about you, but I am one thankful girl. Come on, let's sing this out. I was lost and Jesus.
How many of you in this room believe God is 100% good? Come on. Let me tell you something about the goodness of God. King David, Psalm 27, he wrote, he was surrounded by a multitude of enemies, a massive number of enemies. And he starts out and goes, you know what? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? He had many, many reasons to fear and to be downcast, but the, the goodness of God saw him through every single time. And let me tell you something. There's a verse near the end of this chapter, Psalm 27, and it says this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Would you repeat that with me? I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That means while we're alive. I know some of you, you may feel like you want to lose heart. You want to give up. You want to cave in. The goodness of God, the presence of God is right here for you, just like he was for King David. How many of you would just say, I need some of that. I need the goodness of God. I've got people. I've got enemies all around me. It's real. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, as real as you've ever been, you are right now. As powerful as you have ever been, you're that powerful right now. And as good as you are at causing us not to fear, you're that good right now. I pray over each person who's going through a struggle of circumstances, enemies, conditions, that the goodness of God would just reach them right where they are, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for your presence in this room. And as we're praying, Lord God, I just pray for Second Presbyterian Church. As they're looking for an interim pastor, they've just come back to actually having live church. This is very important. So we just ask you to bless them. Give them a man that is, that is really called to be there, not just a hireling, but somebody who's called to be there. And we thank you. Can everybody just say, we talked about giving thanks to God. Can everybody here just give thanks to God one more time with all your heart? Hey, listen, my name's Bobby. I just want to say that we are honored for you to be with us. We're just so glad you've chosen. We think it's important that you're here today. And if there's anything we can do for you, any prayer requests or anything, there's a Connect card in the seat in front of you. We would love for you to fill that out. Pastor Rick is going to share a word with us today. And I, I'm really excited. And before he comes up, just turn to somebody and say, you look a whole lot better after worshiping God.
My goodness. My goodness, we serve a good God, isn't that right? I want to ask all of you to welcome the Conway campus and any campus that is listening in. We welcome you to this teaching today. Come on, help me out, everybody, if you don't mind. And uh, I got to say that this coming week, next week, I turn 60 years old. And, uh, and uh, it's not the best news for me, but I'm glad you like it. And, uh, but I think about that verse that says that old men, old people will dream dreams. And, and uh, so I'm hoping that that'll come. I haven't dreamt a dream at night. How many stopped dreaming years ago? And uh, I'm looking forward to getting that back. But I do have vision. Everybody say vision. I'm not dreaming anything, but I got vision. And, uh, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm proud of this campus. I'm proud of Conway. Uh, Hunter, you're doing an incredible job, you and Katie, uh, at the Conway campus. Marcus and Brooke Brown right here. Uh, that brother's looking good today. Marcus, would you stand up? I know you're in Conway. Could you stand up? Look at this. My goodness, bro. I'm already impressed with you. You don't have to do all that. And... Uh, I think he's just compensating because he's in a bad mood today. Uh, he got beat in tennis. Uh, I think it was last night. And uh, But let's move on. Uh, Hunter, I hope you're doing better over there in Conway. But two things to reset, to reset vision. Uh, the scripture clearly says that if you do not have vision, you will not be able to cast off or you will cast off restraint. Uh, so many people right now are not able to cast off things that are not of God. I've never seen days like this, but for some strange reason, I've never been in so encouraged. I've never been this encouraged before. It's almost like the Lord is trying to tell all of us, and some are catching on to it, that he's designed us for these days. But I don't know if you see it that way. I remember years ago, someone uh, bought my family uh, this this uh, gift certificate to go to Chateau on the Lake in Branson. And man, it was an incredible time. But I could tell that it was only one day left. And then the next day I said, this is it, kids. And we had a great time. And I think Michelle was a part of this too. And I said, let's look out the window and I want you to see this lake. And somehow, some way, I want us to remember this. And for some weird reason... Uh, I said, everyone take a, a picture with your heart. Like, let's close our eyes and remember this great time that we're having. And let's try to remember it for the rest of our lives. And we did that. We closed our eyes and then we opened our eyes. And most of my kids, the smartest kids I have, remember that. And, uh, but here's the thing. We have to have these moments that we remember. What is the what is the vision? What is God really up to? And if you don't know that, you can get off track. Uh, like my dad. My dad said when he was married 10 years, he took his wife to Hawaii. And when he's married 20 years, he's going to go back and get her. <laughs> and uh, that's just a bad idea. Uh, without vision, you will make stupid decisions. Jesus said this. He goes, I want you to have vision. I want you to be able to lift up your eyes and see. If you don't see what's going on, he was talking about the harvest, uh, people who are helpless and harassed. We certainly live in a day like that. If you don't see it, you're going to have trouble. And then he said, don't wait. Don't say in four months and then we'll be able to see. No, I want you to be able to see right now. 
So over the summer, I've been able to travel around here and there like the last two weeks to Saline County uh, two weekends ago, and then with those who were in Hot Springs last weekend speaking. And, uh, and we came out of the Wisdom Book series, and I wasn't really a part of that series. I was speaking uh, independent uh, sermons. But I, d- I did think of this, that a lot of us, we, we think that we are expressing a lot of wisdom right now. But if you don't have vision for what God is really trying to do on the planet, it's really not wisdom. And what I think uh, in Proverbs, it describes in chapter 3 that we are wise in our own eyes not according to Scripture. And what, what happens when, when people are wise in their own eyes, this is what they call wisdom. They look around and they see foolishness around them, and then they think they're wise because they can spot foolishness. But that's just knowledge, and knowledge puffs up, but wisdom is from God. And so my question to you is, what is the Lord trying to show you right now that only you can do? Vision. This last week, I went with a planning retreat with uh, leaders that are in our church. Uh, all of them could not go, but we were there with, with most of them. It was one of my favorite times I think I've ever had uh, with a group of people. In fact, everybody on that retreat said the exact same thing. And so I told them, I said, look, because this was when I unveil uh, the vision for our church. And, and then I said, uh, with, with not just humility, it really wasn't humility. I just was insecure. And I said, guys, I don't really know if I have good vision this year. And I took my heart out and I shared it with them. And they started interrupting me saying, look, that is, all, that is all vision. It was mainly Marcus trying to tell me that. Rick, no, that is vision. And so I'm going to buy into that by sharing to you what I think we should work on right now. Because this is a strange season. Raise your hand if you've met any strange people. Who would rather be here than quarantine again for the fifth time? Who would rather that? And, uh, but last year wasn't cake either. And you can see it in the eyes of the people like, what is going on? It reminds me of a Boudreaux joke, and here it comes now. <laughs> Boudreaux was pulled over by this cop, and the um, cop got out and went up to the car and said, Sir, you, you, you're only driving 10 miles an hour. What is going on? And he said, well, the speed limit says 10 miles an hour. He said, no, it doesn't. This is Highway 10. (laughs) And so, wait, I'm not there yet, all right? But I appreciate the enthusiasm. (laughs) So then he looked into the back seat, and Tipito was in the back seat with his eyes big, and Marie, her eyes big, and Pierre, his eyes big. And the cop said, why do y'all look so afraid? And Tipito said, yeah, we on Highway 10 now, but we just turned off of Highway 180. All right, it's been a wild ride, right? So every now and then you'll run into a fool in Scripture who tries to challenge Jesus and to trick him. It's trickery. And in one time, this happened in the book of Luke, and it also happened in the book of Matthew, same passage of Scripture, just written from a different angle. And at one particular place, they, they said, what is the greatest scripture in, the, in all of the land and all of the word? And uh, we actually call it the greatest commandment. And again, he was being foolish trying to trap him. Have you had anybody try to trap you in these days? Have you seen anyone out there without vision making bad decisions? 
Have you seen anyone in politics make bad decisions? Have you seen any scientists make bad decisions? Have you seen any Christians make bad decisions? How about any pastors? But I'm going to tell you one place we've got to get it right, and that is in our decision to have vision for God Almighty. So Jesus spoke to them in Matthew 22 and verse 37. After this brother tried to trap him, uh, Jesus answered, okay, I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to summarize the whole Bible, and I'm going to tell you the greatest thing, and this is vision right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and, second part, love your neighbor as yourself. And to me, I like the sequence of this passage of Scripture as much as I like the content. In other words, you got to get it right, your love for God, or you're going to struggle in your relationships. And boy, do I see that happening right now. So many people are just bogged down relationally. They've lost a lot of their influence. And I think it's because they didn't get the sequence right. Loving God. You cannot love other people if you don't love the Lord first. And in fact, if you don't love the Lord first, you will love yourself first. And relationships really struggle in that vein. So, two things to think about. Uh, Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Uh, To break this down, uh, many years ago in Baton Rouge, uh, we were in a time of tension because the governor who was running for, to be governor uh, was a felon. He was a wicked man, and uh, a lot of people would say that. And he was running against somebody even more wicked, David Duke. Study this out. And the tension in our church, in our city, it was crazy. We were just trying to keep up, working harder. And the antidote for everything was just work harder, check on even more people and check on it. And man, we were losing We were so tired. One day there was a knock on the door and it was Pastor Roy Stockstill, the founder of that church, who was 90 years old at the time. And uh, he knocked on the door and he said, do you mind if I say something to all of you? And no one would have said no because it's a great moment to hear from someone with wisdom like him. So he walked in. I remember his finger was up. That's the way he used to do it back in the day. And he walked over into the front of everyone And he said, look, I see how hard you guys are working, and I know this is a tough day. But I'm going to tell you what's going on and where you guys are getting off track. He said, you've forgotten about loving Jesus. And he put his arms out. Jesus. And he just left us there to die. (laughs) He walked out, and we, he resigned. Not really. Actually, we reset everything. Two things to reset. Loving the Lord with all of your heart. If you don't, you will love yourself. It's like we've, many of us, including me, it's like we're becoming narcissists. It's it's insane for everyone to think that they're right and to expect to get along. Uh, Go home and look at the traits of narcissism. Excessive need for admiration, superficial relationships, lack of empathy. They over-respect their own opinion. They love to argue and fight. They disagree with anyone who doesn't agree with every one of their statements. They're selfish and then even paranoid. But I found a verse when Jesus was talking about the latter days. Uh, this particular verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3 
this is all about narcissism too. But it's also prophetic. So we, we can see, this is Paul talking. Uh, was, he wrote First Timothy four years before. He's in prison. He's, he's writing this. And look, look at this. He said, but mark this. Like, remember this. There'll be terrible times in the last days. Now, he's in prison talking about terrible times. If I say to you, I'm ha- I think there's going to be some terrible days coming, uh, and I'm up here in front of everybody talking, that's one thing. But if I'm in prison saying, hey, terrible days, you think this is about terrible days are coming, this is what he's saying. But it's not, it's, it's not negative. I just want to look at you. What is going on all around us does not have to be defeat and negative. So he said, people in those days, this is why it's going to be terrible. People in those days will be lovers of themselves. Have you seen any of that? Lovers of money. How about that? Boastful, proud, abusive. Have you seen any of that? Disobedient to the parents. I could do a survey and ask parents, how's it going? Have you seen any of that? Ungrateful unholy like where are our convictions for crying out loud without love unforgiving like walking with people through life hand in hand one mistake they made and we decide we're never going to be with them again unforgiving slanderous like just okay now not only do we not forgive them but we're just going to make up stuff without self-control brutal not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And that's my whole point right now, loving God and having a form of godliness, but no power, but denying its power. Lovers of God. Not really lovers of God, lovers of pleasure. Like what, what they really Miss is pleasure not being in love with God. All right? I'm right where I want to be right now. I remember years ago when my dad, when I went into high school, my ninth grade year, my dad was a teacher for the first year at that school. So I got in this class in this very disruptive class. Everybody was out of order. They were all thinking about themselves, making fun of my dad, making fun of the school. They didn't know that the teacher was my dad. So I had a little bit of a dilemma. Like I wanted to fit in. I was a freshman. It was my it was homeroom too. And I just wanted to fit in. And so I just started going with it. And just cracking jokes and they would throw stuff. I would throw stuff and I would try to do it where they could see me, but my dad couldn't see me. And then one day, I said something very aggressive, and I'll never forget my dad. He took off from the front of that class, pushing desk and people aside, and he came right at me, and he's standing over me, and I was like, this is not good, no shot. And my dad looked down at me, and he said, listen, I'll take it from them. Because they're not mine, but I will not take it from my son. And he left. 
And I, honestly, I preached my very first sermon after that because I walked back up that trail that he blazed. <laughs> I walked back up to the front and I looked at everybody and I said, look, I want to let you guys know. I think you know now, but I want you to know that's my dad. And he's a good father. He's a good, good father. <laughs> and I don't want this happening anymore. Not on my watch. And I noticed the whole thing changed. Just because I express my love for my father. So recently I've been wondering if some of the great minds of the past were alive today who love God, what would they say about these days? Like if C.S. Lewis was around, what would he say about this pandemic and everything else that you might be able to look at? Well, I no longer have to wonder because 72 years ago, uh, he spoke the words that I'm about to say to you, but his was not about a pandemic. It was way worse. It was about an atomic bomb. And what I want you to notice is that he was not dismissive of the power of the atomic bomb, and neither should we be. That is not good tactic. We, we should not be dismissive of what is happening, but just strong on our role while this is happening. But listen to the words of this great man of God. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How we are going to live in this atomic age. And I'm tempted to reply this way. You do so just as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in the Viking Age when raiders uh, from Scandinavia, not the Oakland Raiders or the Vegas Raiders, Scandinavia might land and cut your throat during the night, or indeed uh, how you would currently live or currently live in an age of cancer, age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, or in the age of air raids. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir and madam, you and all whom you love, we're already sentenced to death. Before the atomic bomb was invented, and a very high percentage of us, we're going to die in an unpleasant way. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance or painful and premature death, the atomic bomb. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. We who are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb if it's true, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things like praying together, working together, teaching one another, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis. Sorry, Marcus. <laughs> Chanting with other friends over a pint. Hello. And a game of darts. Not huddled like frightening sheep. And thinking about bombs, COVID, the atomic bomb may break our bodies, 
but it should not dominate our minds. Paul said it even better, Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Can I have an amen? amen? That's what we should be wearing. From the moment you give your heart to the Lord. Recently, I was with Marcus, and he goes, he looked at my wedding ring, and he said, Rick, have you always worn that wedding ring? And I said, no, Marcus, just since I got married. <laughs> since you've given your heart to the Lord, are you still wearing this relationship? Because the scripture says what can be shaken will be shaken and what cannot be shaken will remain. Are you on the shaken side or the remaining side? I just got to say, we have to know what the Spirit of God is saying and we speak for Him. Years ago, 15 years ago this last week, Paul Ills died. He was the voice of the Razorback. He was a faithful member of this church and he and I became friends. And you know what? I still miss him so much. One day he was coming back from northwest Arkansas, and again, he was the voice of the Razorbacks, and, and uh, he died on that trip back. I was asked to do his funeral, but what a lot of people don't know is a few months before, six months before, he asked me to write his testimony and his story with Scripture because he wanted his story to, to glorify God. He was asked to speak at the governor's prayer breakfast and another event in Hot Springs, and we wrote that together. It was so much fun. He was such an incredible guy, and I watched him deliver that speech. And so when he died, I got in front of everyone, and I said, hey, today... Uh, I know we're speaking about Paul Ills, the voice of the Razorback, but what you don't know is he recently wrote a sermon. I was with him on that, his testimony. And so today I am going to be the voice of the voice of the Razorbacks. And I spoke his story. Interesting enough, at the end of that service, lightning struck the building and electricity went out. It was like, whoa, there's another voice. I just said, my, my, my. <laughs> think that's important that you understand that to love God, we have to represent what his voice is saying. Number two, loving each other. Recently, a lot of young people have asked me, man, I loved Collide. This last week we had Collide. It was so many kids worshiping the Lord. And, and uh, man, young people need Jesus right now, and they know it, and they will go for him. This is what I saw, but young people keep asking me, what should I do? I have a lot of friends falling. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And uh, even our staff the same way, and I've summarized it all down to this is not vision. This is just how you live with convictions. And number one, unmovable convictions, like an unmovable conviction. The word doesn't change. We're changing, but the word is not changing. So how do you do it and still look like you love people? I'll show you how. Unmovable convictions, shocking love for other people. It's those two things together. Can I have an amen? But interesting to me, and I just want to bring this out. I've never spoke on this before. 
some of you have gotten so weak relationally that you now think social media is your relational platform. That those are really your friends. I wish Facebook would just change it from friends to random people everywhere. Because I think it's almost crazy to think that these are your real friends. And the more that you think that's your real friends, then you're not going to build real relationships where it's really real. And I'm going to tell you something else. We're not anointed to be on social media. Some of the very things you could say to your friends, even lost friends, that you could say eye to eye at a dinner table, you could have great conversation, but if you say it on social media, it's like you have no anointing with it. And, they, and they, they, you just look like a loon. Because then the trolls come out and then they fight. And we become issue-driven. Things that are really not that important. Paul said in Romans chapter 14, he said, quit fighting over disputable matters and find out what's essential. So Jesus said, I'm not going to read the whole passage. Yeah, I am too. I love it. Matthew, 5, Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5. Look what Jesus said. How many like the words of Jesus? All right. Look what he said. My goodness. Who do you or why do you? Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? This is what we like to talk about in post. But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? Like you got to work on this, bro. When there's a log in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. And then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Could y'all look here for a minute? He's not saying that what's in your eye is a bigger sin. What he's saying is that what is in your eye is of more importance for you to work on. So my question to you is, are you paying attention more to what everyone else needs to work on? Or more what the Holy Spirit is saying for you to work on? I'm going to tell you, that's something I have to wrestle with. Life groups. It's always been the center of our church. As I speak this word, some people just get so excited because you know how important it is. We're starting them next week, and I just want to tell you, the weirdest people I know right now are doing life all alone. Like you might say, well, the Lord has been doing some things in my life and showing me some things. How do we know that God is doing anything in your life if it's not displayed out in relationships? And I'm just going to tell you, I've never seen a season where we needed life groups more than now. And if you want to know the original design of life groups, it was in the early church a few thousand years ago. The Bible says they met in the temple courts. They celebrated here. And man, I can imagine it was a shout. Let's praise his name as loud as we can in this place. Come on. Let's shout to the Lord. All right? Yeah. He's good. But stop. There's a lot of things that will cause you to be discipled and to grow in Christ that cannot happen in this room. This is a large group dynamic. You're not going to be able to grow in this place. The way that you also could grow in a circle with friends with Bibles open. 
I just want to tell you that we need one another. The Bible says the early church, they met in the temple courts, and then they broke bread in one another's homes, and they ate together, and they prayed together, and they shared things that were, that were in common. And look at this. Then God gave them favor with him and other people. I don't know about you, but I want favor with other people. And I can't get it done if I don't love the Lord with all of my heart and I don't have friends where it's raw and it's real. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is what I want. We have a prayer week coming up next week and I'm just going to ask everybody, even people who hate prayer meetings. I've never had anybody raise their hand on that. How many of you hate prayer meetings? Oh, I definitely hate prayer meetings. No one ever admits that. But you don't go. That's your vote. So I want to ask for you guys, where two come together or more, he's in the midst. One can put a 1,000 to flight and two 10,000 to flight. Let's come together and seek God. We need him right now. We got a lot we got to get right. So with that in mind, years ago, there was this church that had gotten off track. It's in England. In fact, the worship leader, the best that I could tell, the worship leader there was Matt Redman, which, by the way, he's great, but he's no better than the worship leaders that we have. Can I have an amen? But the pastor did this. And out of this, a great song was written. Most great songs in the world were written because of a pastor. Okay, I made that up. (laughs) But this pastor said, listen, we've gotten off track here. Way off track. So I'm taking out the sound system. I'm taking out everything. And I'm taking the worship leaders off the stage. And we're just going to seek the Lord with no accompaniment. I don't remember how long that lasted, but if I do remember right, it was months. It was during that time that Matt Redman, he went home after one of those services and he wrote what was for a long time an international anthem called Heart of Worship. And the lyrics are, when the music fades and all that's stripped away, and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you Jesus say his name Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the things that I made it when it's all about you Jesus can we stand all around this room we're going to pray and the Lord's going to move But I just really want you to get this inside of you. It's called reflection. Hey, I love to be in a church service where it's hip, hip, hooray, let's go. But I'll tell you where you really grow is when you reflect on what God is trying to tell you. So let's bow our heads and sing this song together. Simply come.
Longing just to breathe Something that's a word That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Yes, Lord, when things are stripped away from us, it seems like maybe that's the happiest times we'll ever have is when sometimes we come to you and our Christian life has been filled, the Christian life that was just so joyful, so pure, so honest and raw before you has become something that maybe, Lord, if we were being honest, we don't even recognize anymore. And Lord, we want to come back. We want you to strip a couple of things away from us that would be for our own good. The way we think, the things we allow in our lives. Lord, we just ask you to bring us back to a heart, a simple heart of worship. I just thank you for this message and everything that pointed us this way. Lord, even for those in this room who are so far away, they wouldn't even say that they're walking with you right now. This is also a time for them that you could say, look, you've tried it your own way and it's really time to come to the Lord who is a good God and wants to infill you. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock and if anyone opens that door, I will come in to them and I will sup with them. That means I will have a relation. I will eat with them. I will feed them. And they with me. And if you're in this room and you say, I need either for the first time or for another time, I need to accept what Christ has done for me back in my heart. Would you raise your hand and just let me pray for you across this room? Yeah, up high. I see your hands going up everywhere. Yes, I see you. Thank you. I see you too. And Yes, thank you. There's more hands than you would think. This is awesome, people. Lord, we just open up our hearts to you. We open up the door of our heart to do whatever it is you want to do. Lord, we, we actually agree with you that we haven't lived the way we should. And that is a minor thing to let go of for the glory of you living inside of us. So please forgive anything we've ever done. And we're just going to enter back in to a heart of worship. Would you just join with me? I love this song. We're going to continue worshiping with it.
Can you say this? Can you say, it's not about me, Lord. It's about you. I want my life to be about you. Aren't you glad that you came to church today? It was a little different of a service, but the Spirit of God showed up, did some great things. So many people raised their hand to allow Christ to be the Lord of their life again or for the first time even. We would love to know about that. Please consider there's a Connect card in in the seat in front of you. We mentioned it earlier. you could put prayer requests there. Believe me, there's so many prayer requests that we get by text. And it really helps us to know if you would fill out the card or text the word connect uh, to 88,000. Anything you could do to help us connect better with you, it'd be awesome, right? Can I get a yes on that? Okay. Hey, look, I'm going to tell you a statement that you may not believe. If you were to go back into our little life and kid life, um, our, our, our area over there where we keep the kids because over there, there are wars and rumors of wars, okay? They're fighting over toys. They're uh, saying really maybe not the nicest things to each other sometimes, and that's the teachers, you know, so we, we don't know what's going on. But I just want to tell you that God put it in the heart of every person to be a giver. Everyone who loves him His nature is in them, and His nature is giving. Do you agree with me on that? And so if you're prepared to give here today, um, it will be an act of worship. Uh, Whether you do it in the containers in the back of the room, whether you do it on the NLC app, or whether you do as I do, uh, I do a recurring thing that's on uh, newlifechurch.tv slash giving. I'm just going to tell you, God is honored by our generosity and uh, he will just uh, be blessed, all right? I want to also tell you, um, we have so much going on here today. Uh, Seth, would you come, come up here? Seth Tomboli, everybody. Come on. Hey, I don't know about you, but when I see guys that are this much younger than me, I won't tell how much, just like He's becoming a real man of God, has a, a voice in this place, and I just appreciate it. Tell what's going on. Awesome. So if you didn't know, school is almost back in session, and all the parents said, amen. Okay, so we're going to pray over students and teachers and faculty and coaches. And if you've got a student that is going to any type of school, college, whatever it may be, would you just lift your hand? If you're a student, I know we got students over here, raise your hand. To any kind of faculty, teachers, if you see someone around you with their hand raised, will you reach out to them? Maybe put your hand on their shoulder. We're going to pray. And, uh, and as I'm praying, my prayers are nothing special. I promise you, would you pray for them? Let's all pray together. God, we come to you right now. And, and Lord, I just pray that every student in this place, every teacher, every faculty, God, that the, as they leave this place today, that they would be blessed, Lord, that you would protect them. It says in your word, how does the youth live a life that is pure? It says by according to your word. And God, the world is saying to live according to it, but God, we pray that they would cling to your word and nothing else. God, I pray that faculty and principals and coaches and any kind of staff, the janitorial staff, God, that they would be led by your spirit. There's a lot of things demanding the attention of our youth. And God, we pray that they would give their focus to you. And so God, I pray right now against sickness, 
God, that you would keep them in health. God, I pray that any big decisions coming up that our school board and, and faculty would be making, God, that they would do that with your wisdom and your discernment. God, I pray for parents right now that maybe they're sending a kid to school for the first time, or maybe they're sending them off from school for the first time, that you would give them peace that only comes from you and from your word. God, I thank you so much that we're a part of a church that believes in the next generation. And so, God, I pray that every student in this place right now, God, that as they hear my voice, they would know they are called by your spirit to make a difference in their schools, that it is a mission field, that they can be filled and that they can go and fill that place with your presence. God, we ask that you would bless every person that is going back to school, that we would lead strong and that we would point people to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, so... One of the things that Seth is doing, he organized a meeting last week for all the people that are going to be leading life groups in our church. Seth is doing a lot in this church. He doesn't look like much, but he's doing a lot. I'm going to tell you. And uh, he, the meeting was so good. I, we're going to have a life group uh, service next weekend where you can sign up for a life group. We're not, it's not going to look like a trade show or a circus or anything like that. We're just going to have people that are eager and willing to start a life group. And this is just awesome in this day. It's next weekend, uh, the 22nd. Thank you for doing that. All right, you can go now. All right. Last thing, last thing. Don't you love Seth? Give him a hand. Come on, everybody. <laughs> All right. Last thing is... Next weekend also, Rick mentioned worship night. That's going to be 6 p.m. starting worship week, 6 p.m. next week. Um, let's do this. I'm going to pray a blessing over you as we leave. Come on, put your hands in front of you and say, I'm going to be blessed right now. The Lord says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. Go and have a great week. Like I surrender I didn't do what I
watching the weather Wasting time and chasing fame I look at the life I've been designing Waiting around for my breakthrough But I'm pushing my dreams to the side of me Plan is my choice. Turn out all the noise. I can hear your voice. And I don't want to run. No. I don't want control. I don't want to run. I don't want control. I give you my
mercy prepared a table for me how can it even be you send your son down to save me no other name will i praise but yours no other name will i praise but yours Searching, your love was never far. 
You made a way to get to me. You